Hello, Hoopaholics. It's Coach Spins here from the Boxing One, back with another episode of the Boxing One podcast. And look, it's time for the Home and Home series. I was lucky <laughs> enough to be able to join Maxwell Baumbach uh, this past weekend on a great podcast talking about some work that he's done recently. And now he returns the favor to me, comes here on the Boxing One pad, uh, podcast and talks some Kentucky freshman. Maxwell, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. I'm excited for this one. Uh, these are two guys that I'm very interested in. I am really starting to get my feet wet with some of these 2024 guys now. And Justin Edwards is a guy I'm, I'm really excited about in particular. And DJ Wagner I'm finding is like just increasingly polarizing as far as where people have him on boards, but that's the kind of draft cycle we're looking at, right? A lot of uncertainty this year, a lot of different opinions. And I, I couldn't be more excited about a draft where there's so much less consensus this time around. No doubt about it. And and I think that, you know, the optimists who are out there are always going to be scanning and looking for that guy who's going to turn into the next really big prospect or player who may not be on that level right now. That there have been late risers throughout the process. You know, a year ago, Brandon Miller was maybe flirting around the lottery for a lot of people coming into the draft cycle. I think I had him like 14th or 15th coming into yep. the, the year and he just steadily rose and rose and rose. So it's really important to, to do a deep dive during the summer months and, and look at every prospect with an open mind. So, you know, what I like to share with, with some people, just from my perspective in this, I'm going into year three right now of being a high school coach. Um, you know, I, I've been around the, the college level for a number of years and watched these guys at the AAU circuit in some regard. But the players I recruited at the, the Division three coaching level is a little bit different than some of the guys who I'm scouting uh, in NBA draft circles. But now, you know, being at the high school level and, and coaching in a, pr- a pretty prestigious league that I'm in, I've got a few more touch points with some of these guys. You know, I'm on the East Coast. Uh, Justin Edwards, a Philly guy. DJ Wagner just across the river in Camden, New Jersey. Those guys are are close enough by where th- this is starting to hit home for me. Like I, I've followed these guys, I've seen them play for a number of years. Now they're coming into the college season. I'm having a ton of fun with this, but I know there are going to be a lot of Kentucky fans who swarmed this podcast and try to get a feel for two of the the newer, bigger players that you have coming in as freshmen and and the long lineage of one and dones that Calipari has produced. This is a fascinating Kentucky team because. They yeah. they have a lot of youth at when everybody else is getting older and hitting that transfer portal really hard. This is going to be a team that's one of the youngest, if not the youngest, in high major basketball. And it's going to be really interesting to see how they gel. I'm sure we're going to have some space to talk about Kentucky and some of the other prospects at the end. But I want to make sure that we're clear from the very jump here. This is going to be a film breakdown of Justin Edwards and DJ Wagner two guys who I think have the best chance to go inside the lottery of any of the Kentucky prospects here in 2024. So Maxwell, with that said, are there any other Kentucky musings that you want to, you know, shoot across the bow right at the beginning here? Yeah. Just that this is a really fascinating roster. Um, I think their roster construction is a little interesting. It's, it's Justin Edwards on the wing. And then it's like Trey Mitchell who leans more toward the bigger side of the spectrum. It's a lot of guards. Antonio Reeves, I guess is clear to go after maybe, maybe not being enrolled at Illinois state again, like a lot of weirdness um, and a lot of size. And I think that is like one of the more interesting developments is the recent acquisition of Ivasich because you went from 
okay, you know, Onyenso, this is going to be his breakout season. Okay, we've got Aaron Bratch on the mix. Aaron Bradshaw, uh, maybe he's injured. That now you've got like three bigs that have a real draftable case out of the gate. And it, it's just going to be a fascinating, fascinating season. Like, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what this lineup looks like at the start of the year and just how it progresses toward the end of the season. Stylistically, how Calipari is able to make all of this work is going to be fascinating because you've mm-hmm. got three talented bigs who should all see the floor but I don't really know how any of them mesh or fit with each other and what that does to your overall offensive spacing, which has been a concern for Wildcat fans the last couple of years. Like Mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of positivity coming out of their tour up in Canada of more free flowing offense, much better space, a lot of pace, go, go, go. I think that's a byproduct of some of the injuries that they had and the lack of, of bigger bodies that were ready to compete for them up there. So it's it's very different, right? Like, I, I don't think that's what we're going to see in SEC play, play. I don't think that there's any indication based on how John Calipari has played in the past that that's what he wants to do. Like, I, I see here in one of the comments, you know, at a global jam up there, Justin Edwards was actually playing center for them for a little bit. Like, yes, I think <laughs> yeah. that's a byproduct of who they had on their roster, not something mm-hmm. that we can look and project about Edwards long term. Like, he's six seven, six eight ish a decent defender and shot blocker. And we'll break down some of that stuff on tape later, but certainly this was out of necessity. So I I am, I am staying just a little bit longer in the camp of wait and see, and I'm skeptical of how it's all going to fit, but without a doubt, as many talented young guys as you will find on, on any type of roster out there. So Max, just fill me in a little bit here on Ivisich because that's that's also another one of the, the issues. polarizing prospect where are you at he is very polarizing i was lower on him throughout most of the last draft cycle i do think it was a good idea for him to take another year if he is a guy that like wants to come to the states right away which him playing college basketball to me seems to indicate that that's kind of the direction he's headed in um good shot got a lot better as a mover over the last year so he used to look very very robotic in terms of just running moving sliding um, that's come along quite a ways. Um, his arms are down to his knees. He's, he's really long. He's a little skinny still. Uh, but yeah, he's seven, three. So he's just long. He knows how to use it on defense. He uses it to get in on the glass, get those offensive boards, keep possessions alive. Um, but yeah, sort of in that, that like a very raw version of that young Porzingis mold, as far as being a guy who's big, can stretch the floor a little bit and block shots doesn't sort of have that same ruthlessness as is a young Porzingis doesn't quite put it on the floor the same way. If he needs to attack a closeout, not quite as good in space. So obviously we're talking sort of a poor man's version, but um, yeah, there's intrigue because anytime a player is that big is not a disaster athletically can alter shots and space the floor. There's, there's bound to be intrigue at, at the NBA level. Yeah. He's, he's a fascinating prospect to watch. We will see out of all of these three Kentucky big men who establishes themselves. And for those reasons and not knowing who is going to really fall where in the pecking order, we're going to be a little bit later and delayed and actually talking and breaking down some of those guys, both in video form and in trying to do a breakdown like this on the podcast. So the two main guys we're going with DJ Wagner out of Camden, New Jersey and Justin Edwards from Philly. Let's dive into the film here, shall we, Maxwell? Let's do it. Let's bring up DJ Wagner clips first. So I'm going to be going full screen here with a bunch of these and and just want to note his athleticism, like 6'3 to 6'5, somewhere in that range, really bursty when he gets ahead of steam, 
loves to play in transition, get him the ball. And he's got this just wiry shifty pace to him that makes it really difficult for defenses to try to keep him in front. This is a really tough finish. He's got a creative handle, likes to go behind his back and a lot of in and out dribbles all the time. He plays with it a little bit too much, but this is like ultimate shiftiness, quickness in his step, the way that he moves. I want to rewind that one and watch this one again. Just the way that he moves with, with the ball in his hands is really unique. Herky jerky is a nice adjective yes, used yep. to describe that and just hard to keep out of the paint in some regard. Uh, Maxwell, as we're going here, please, if there's a clip that you see and you want me to rewind for a point that you're going through, let me know and we'll make sure that we do that. For sure. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. I, I think the biggest thing that sticks out in a lot of these clips is yeah. How shifty he is and how sudden he is like his movements are really hard to anticipate. Um, it, and there's a lot of, you know, North South, but also just East West to his mm -hmm. game. Like it's not, I'm attacking in a straight line every single time. It's not, I'm going sideways and I can't penetrate and get inside the, inside the paint. There's just a real nice, um, mix of moves. I think, like you said, he can, he can get a little carried away at times. Yeah. Uh, and I think that last clip was actually kind of an interesting one in some sense in that he takes this wide driving angle. So there he comes off the screen, doesn't split, goes the long way around, and he manages to get there, find, you know, able to find the finish. But one of those things where, you know, a little worried about how often he's going to be able to pull off plays like that at the next level. Yeah, and um, the, the process is a huge part of that, Maxwell. Like, I don't know if time and score is something that you guys can see here on the YouTube feed. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. You know, five seconds left here before halftime. He's walking the dog up court, trying to make sure that he maximizes the time that he has. Gets a, a drag screen right around half court. But he's got basically five defenders all shading towards him right here. Another mm -hmm. one comes and stands above the volleyball line. Help defender positioned at the nail. Like, they are stacking up to try to prevent him to get to the rim and in some regard it's really impressive that he's able to get here and just weave yeah. his way through traffic but what's the process like here like is he really going to try to dribble around a bunch of guys at the nba level you look at the spacing that the new jersey scholars have with two guys stacked on top of each other in the right corner like they're <laughs> Common, is, that's you see that in the nba a lot these days a yeah. lot of teams a lot of teams like that yeah uh, two guys both in the same corner sort of yeah. set up on the floor. not yeah. not not ideal there Maxwell no. but it, it, it really impressive like it's it's not a process that we expect to see but the fact that he can even take that wide angle and just get through traffic mm -hmm. with five seconds on the clock is pretty impressive you know a lot of those came off of drag screens and early offense which he loves he does not need a screen in order to get downhill so two things I noticed about him I love his speed and I love his mm -hmm. use of his left hand as a finisher. I think he prefers yeah, yep. to drive with his left hand. He can finish with either at the rim, but he prefers to drive with his left. And his burst is really sudden. Again, does not need a screen to get downhill. Yeah, that's a huge thing that, that stuck out to me as well, as I like the ability to kind of like, it's not changing speeds in the traditional sense, right? Like it's not, you know, I'm completely coming to a stop and then going and things like that. But he, he plays pretty fast, but he has that extra gear that he can kind of kick it into to blow by guys when he has him dancing or has him off balance and things like that. Um, yeah. There's a real, real nice kind of extra burst that he's able to play with. Like I just don't have that gear. Um, and when he, when he gets at his seam too, like he's so he's just slippery. Like he finds yeah. ways to kind of dice through the lane and, and get through traffic. Um, and I, I think he actually does a pretty decent job of, of playing through contact as well. 
I think his athleticism is the highlight to his offensive game, right? And that's why we're we're leading off with a bunch of these clips here. He loves to play in transition. He's great off of early drag screens and like that semi-transition. And he just gets all the way to the rim. Like here's an isolation play off of a switch on, you know, I think Matas Bazelis is out there guarding him yeah. and just going right at him. Another guy mm-hmm. who's going to be in the lottery finishing with his left hand. Like a lot of the process for him when you would go and transition from, that full court, just bring the ball up and go at a guy one-on-one is switch off of a ball screen and then be able to attack downhill. And the reason I bring a lot of that up is I think there's some evidence to suggest that if he's guarded by bigger, longer guys, he actually struggles a little bit more in his conversion Mm -hmm. that like, yes, he he is decent at driving to contact, but I think bigger guys as help defenders or as primaries tend to bother him. So I will say, if you can, can you rewind at that last clip real yeah. quick? Because I think in that last one, there were some encouraging things. Something I like about him a lot is like just the level of counters that he's able to play with. So he doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, comes off the screen. He doesn't really initially like what he has, takes his time a little bit, puts it behind his back a couple times, you know, like sees that it's not there, hesitates a little bit. And then when he explodes the next time, sees the help defender coming over, anticipates that dig, counters with a spin move and gets a better angle at the basket. I think that is something that gives me a little bit of hope when it comes to the converting versus size, where it is like at a very basic level, there's an understanding of help and how to avoid it. Um, And I'm hoping that that can kind of bleed into seeing the floor better and and just playing with more optionality when it's so instead of just saying, okay, I'm going to counter here, I can counter here. I can pass out here. Here comes the second line um, and sort of just be better able to anticipate that help and, and play around it. Um, so that was the one counter in particular that I thought stood out because it helped him just get further penetration into the paint. And the more and longer that he can string out and just keep his options open, I think the better off he's going to be. Because I, I think we have similar concerns when it comes to the, the finishing against size and length. Yeah, so let's let's get to that finishing against size and length now. You know, a couple of games of his from, from the high school year where he'd get bigger guys that switch on to him. And just did a pretty good job of altering his finishes. And, and again, I, I yeah. want to talk about process in a lot of these two, right? You'll well, see teammates who yeah. are wide open on the perimeter mm-hmm. who he doesn't pass to. He tries to make those finishes that are really toughly challenged. But he doesn't do as good of a job in the half court of generating those clean looks as you would like. A lot of his positive finishes and rim attempts, to me, come in transition off of drag screens or on switches when he can just go really hard downhill at a guy and they clear out the middle third of the floor for him to do so. Yeah. And it, one thing that I've kind of sensed with the film that I've seen on him so far, cause I'm very early in the process. I'm doing my film process a little bit differently with the 2024 guys this year. Um, it's, it's like my daughter is very excited for bath and stories in the background. If you hear her coming through. So um, one thing I've noticed is when it's like one help defender, he's fine. But it seems like if he swarmed it, like it just does not register the same way. And that last possession is a great example where like, he's got everybody collapsing on him. He's got a guy kind of on the, on the flank. He's got a guy or in the, uh, in the slot rather, he's got a guy in the corner. Like he has options to pass out of this situation. And even if you were to go to like a pivot foot and then like turn back out and hit the man on the, the right side of the floor from the angle that we're seeing this on, like there are so many ways to get out of this and probably the worst option with 21 seconds left on the shot clock is to say, I'm going to take this smothered look. Like it's, it's that kind of stuff where it's like, okay, well, if there's one help defender, it seems like he can, he can be fine a lot of the times, but 
there's also these possessions where he just drives into traffic, gets completely overwhelmed, yeah. and it's just one one speed. It's I'm I'm scoring, and he needs to keep that optionality open. Yep. Yeah, we talk a lot with the guards on, on the team that I coach about your decision point, right? Like where you mm-hmm. pick up your dribble is where your decision has to be made. Because if you are leaving your feet or you're picking up your dribble, not knowing what you're trying to accomplish with it, then you're probably going to be in trouble. It's going to result in a turnover, which is the worst thing that we can have as a team. We'd rather have a bad shot attempt than a turnover because at least it can go in. Now, some bad shot attempts <laughs> are just as bad as turnovers. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, That's neither here nor there. And I, I think his decision point right here where he's kind of picking up the basketball he sees four bodies with feet in the lane. And that's mm-hmm. just a little bit too much for me to be able to, to make that positive decision. But the, the process on a lot of these has to really kind of improve. He dances with the ball again. He goes around his primary defender. There's that speed. But look at the way that they sell out to help. And they're helping yeah. uphill. And they're smothering on the baseline. So this is a kick out to number zero in the right corner. Like That's you the are, Yeah, you've got the corner. Like, Yes. Right there. Like that is what NBA teams try to avoid giving up like that. Yeah. strong, And like, you can see a strong side corner too. Like he's, yes. he's got the, the other corner too. Like he's got two options, both for just wide open corner looks if you want. And, and it's so hard when you're blazing quick to make these decisions at a faster decision rate. But like, you have to understand that you're going to command extra help defenders. So with this clip, like, yes, it's impressive that he's able to blow past his man this quickly. But look how much the explorers really flood to the lane and send multiple hands to try to dig at him. They collapse. They have pre-rotated into their smother on the baseline to take away the dunker spot. This has to be a kick to one of the two corner shooters. Like this Mm -hmm. has to be one of that. Instead, he's trying to take this wild kind of layup here through a rim protector who's sitting on there waiting on him the entire time. Like this is the process that has to kind of improve, but he's not an impactful finisher athletically above those guys. Like here, he's just so dancing with it against an athlete. He doesn't even read (laughs) no reading secondary shot blocker coming through. Like all he's Mm -hmm. concerned with is cooking his man and going at him one-on-one. And and it's, it's this go at him game that I I don't love. And I don't think translates well to the NBA. No, it doesn't. And I think even like in that first clip again, like, it's not ideal, but he had number one in the slot where it's like, even, okay, even if you don't hit the two corners, like even if you just do something to get out of that trouble, when you have 17 seconds on the shot clock, like you do not need to be forcing these looks. Is that ideally what you want to do? Do you want to kick it to somebody in the slot when you have two wide open corners? No, but it's, it's, it's better than forcing what you force there. And, and that is just, it's, it's really gotta, gotta come around for him. Yeah, and, and like speed and control are polarities. At times, they, yep. they often come into conflict with each other. And he's such a fast player whose game is built on his athleticism that oftentimes like you're going to have to sacrifice some control in order to live with that, but not this much. Um, and, and again, he catches and rips this ball just coming across half court, knows exactly what he wants to do with it as soon as he catches it. He's going to try to rip mm-hmm. and go all the way to the basket, Again, he's drawing two defenders to try to jump at him. To me, this is a last-minute adjustment, dump-off pass to his man in the dunker spot. But again, he ends up getting that one blocked right there. So rim protectors and length, but a lot of this can be attributed to decisions. Again, four guys kind of swarming him here. Mm -hmm. He splits the first swipe attempt and dig. He's got two guys blanketing him in the lane, and he just tries to rise up for this runner. Like The the process Mm -hmm. really has to improve, and a lot of it is tunnel vision here. Again, this is a, an over collapse from the strong side corner. You talked about hitting the guy in the slot. 
wide open mm-hmm. right now. Like to me, this is a stride stop reverse pivot kick out to the pop man, but it, he's trying to shoot over the top of two defenders. He's got his primary guy riding him pretty well. And he's got another shop blocker at the rim, just eyeing him up the entire time. Like these are such a low success rate type of shot. I don't understand why he's trying it. Yeah. And it's, it, yeah, it's, it's frustrating. And I think something else that kind of stands out in these clips too is um, there are a couple of times too, where he could, he could better leverage change of speed when he is going downhill to like, maybe not have it so that all everyone's collapsing on you at the same time. Maybe make the backline defenders guess a little bit, maybe make them question what you're going to do. Um, so a little hesitation, a little bit of pace and things like that can, can really go a long way. Yep. Um, and the other thing that kind of stands out, as I mentioned, I, I do like how he he's willing to play through contact, but he doesn't jump that well through it no. is the other thing that stands out. So when he's getting a lot of these smothered looks at the rim, they're not good shots. Like they're, they're very well contested, but he just doesn't rise through that contact very well. So he's very below the rim and it just makes it so much easier for whoever's rotating to the rim to just swat that shot right out of the air. Right. So I want to reiterate here that like, this is not that uncommon for a really gifted high school player to no, not at all. Yeah. Or athleticism. Like what Maxwell and I are doing here is not bashing DJ Wagner. It's finding the areas in his game that he has to improve in order to become a really strong NBA prospect. And th- this is to me, the main one right now is a lot of the decision-making, particularly in the half court, once he gets to that second line of the defense and a couple clips here in transition that I want to show of, of essentially two on ones or advantage attacks where he's not making the obvious pass to the open guy. Like, this pass should be made right now as a yeah. fake high, go low or a fake low, go high to a layup. Instead, he kind of keeps it and goes into life. Ends up converting. Doesn't cost him there, but it does here. Mm-hmm. And again, there's my boy number zero. Sorry, buddy. Like you've been open a bunch here and we haven't been able to find you. So when it comes to the processing, like I think DJ Wagner has a chance to be a solid player. I looked up his stats a little bit earlier from the AAU circuit at 4.2 assists a game and nearly a two to one assist to turnover ratio. Yeah. Those are solid numbers. Like he is, he is a capable passer, but he falls in love far too much in the half court with trying to play that one-on-one game, with trying to go at guys and be able to go get his. I think in a more structured offense, in a slowed down half court environment, he tends to struggle a little bit more, sometimes with reads, sometimes with not predetermining what he's going to do. And as we'll see here, the jump shot has continued to be a work in progress for him. Yeah, I, I think that's a good way of putting it. Like he he is capable as a passer, and I think that's the reason that like he is really high on people's boards, and he's he's high on mine too. You know what I mean? Like this is a guy that I still believe in because there aren't a ton of guys that um, you know there are a lot of guys that are six three, but a lot of them don't move like DJ Wagner does. Right. A lot of them don't have that burst, that quickness, that handle, that ability to string guys out. Um, there's a lot to like about how he can set up his playmaking. I think it's just really a matter of refinement. Um, and as you mentioned, like two to one assist turnover ratio in those games is still, it's a good place to be. Um, but as you pointed out, like there's a lot of room for upside. If you can just see the floor a little bit better, keep a bit more of an open mind, be a little less locked into getting his shot or whatever decision it is that he's kind of going into the play with the idea of accomplishing. So it, it is, yeah, it's not, you know, ripping DJ Wagner, bashing him or saying he's bad or anything like that. Like I, I think we both think he's, he's a really great player. Um, it's just, yeah, kind of uncovering where those upside areas are going to be for him. 
Well, and this is where the fit in Kentucky and all of the big men that we're talking about really comes back mm-hmm. into play here. What type of spacing is he going to be working with this year? Because you trust a guy like Antonio Reeves, and as we'll talk about with mm-hmm. Justin Edwards, like there's a developing jump shot there. Yeah. But man, if, if Calipari is trying to play two bigs at a time and they, you know, opponents end up sagging off a little bit more, or as we'll see here, playing zone was something they got zoned a lot with that New Jersey Scholars mm-hmm. program. I don't think Wagner has a great counter to that. So he played 18 AAU games last season for the New Jersey Scholars. He was 19 of 80, which is 23.8% on catch and shoot jumpers, 27.1% from three overall. Those are low numbers. And this is a Scholars team that has been together for a long period of time, essentially built around DJ Wagner. And well, a lot of those guys played on that same Camden high school team together. They too. did. It like, was him. So, so there's a lot of continuity there. Yeah. It was uh, Bradshaw, who's also going to, to Kentucky. Uh, Mackenzie Mubako, who's heading to Indiana this year. Really talented squad. And there was a lot of continuity year after year after year with them. But I think what also ended up happening was teams kind of figured out and a lot of zone dare DJ Wagner to become a shooter a lot. So you'll see mm-hmm. here, he takes a decent amount of pull-ups. Like I don't love the mechanics in the lower body. Again, I think a lot of them are a result of, I don't want to say settling in some regard, but just opportunities where he could pass the ball and he doesn't necessarily do it. This one that we, we just walked through right here. It's more so being able to stop his body momentum. He gets into his pull-up here, and I think he's still floating a little bit. His legs aren't really settled underneath. There's just a lot of refinement. Everything feels shot. rushed on that yeah. pull-up. Like, yeah, the, the body isn't square. Like, the the release is, like, a little snappy. Like, everything about it is just, like, you went way too fast there. Like, you you can stop and still get a clean look. Like, it's it's okay. Your man's momentum is going to keep going. It's it's all right to to really get that pull up underneath yep. you. Yep. Same thing again. And same with thing this there. Clip. Like, yeah, yep. he's drifting on it. Like he just doesn't have great control over his body when he's going up into it. Um, and I think well, part did. of it might be the balance. Like he's, he's pretty upright in both of those before going into the shot. So I don't know if that's part of it that maybe he's not like heavy enough on his feet to really have a firm, uh, firm foundation as he goes up for it. But well, he just doesn't just... have the, the touch from outside to be able to hit those yet. Now, and I'm just noticing this now, like it looks like he almost pushes off his left foot. Like look at his base right here. His left foot is more yeah, angry than, yeah. than his right it's on his toe. And then yeah. he just kind of fades that way. It's just, there's a lot to really clean up with his base in his jump shot. And this is that process part of things again here, where a lot of times in the half court, if you switch a bigger guy onto him, whether it's a true big man or a super athletic wing, who's got length, Sometimes he's going to be fast enough to be able to go downhill and pass him. But what happens if that bigger body sags off a little bit, tries to dare him to shoot or doesn't play up in pressuring Wagner? He tends to be a guy that can take a lot of these jumpers, and we haven't seen a lot of positive results from him yet. So, again, play off of him with length. He wants to prove himself as a jump shooter. And a couple of these rattle in and out. I understand that. Here it is against Bazellus. And I think he's playing off a decent amount trying to win that first step. Mm-hmm. You can see he almost gets a, a hand on that uh, with his challenge because a lot of those guys have the length to be able to get there. I don't think Wagner has the quickest shot in the world. It's not slow by any means, but I don't think it's super quick. Uh, falls in love with trying to get to that jumper to his his left in a late clock mm-hmm. situation. Like There's just a lot to clean up with the process. And then we see here that the, the smoothness of the mechanics, the consistency and repetition of it all. I don't love kind of the the form that he has on his landing 
what's your take on the mechanics of the jump shot? Yeah. Um, a lot of like different directional misses is something that's concerning to me. And it's true with like the pull up as well as off the catch. Like we've got, I think both of those were to the left, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. Um, it's tough because the film isn't like super clear. So it's like, I want, I I'd like to see kind of what's going on with the guide hand. If maybe there's too much thumb involvement or something that's forcing the ball in that direction. But uh, yeah, a lot of, lot of directional misses. And again, you see it there where it's like one foot down, one foot up on like, the balls of his feet and it's like i i don't quite know what to make of that like the shot preparation footwork can be a little a little janky well and this landing for him on an uncontested shot where there isn't a defender coming really bizarre like i'll just kind of watch through this clip again like he gets it rises into his shot like his feet are end up together almost as he's shooting this like if you see here, his feet end up pretty close together. And then as he lands, his legs split all the way out. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's really tough for him in that regard. Like I didn't think he, he had positive shooting splits at any level that he's played at, whether that's with team USA and and different, you know, FIBA events, AAU, you know, Mm -hmm. any of this stuff, like it's, it's also a little concerning to me too, that he is so much worse off the catch than off the dribble, at least in like the, the scholars games that are on synergy like it it may that i would say that is like my biggest kind of concern with tj wagner is like how does this translate to a more complementary style of play um because if you're it's like every guard needs to be able to run pick and roll i think i think sometimes people view the nba as a little bit more heliocentric than it is as far as being like oh yeah like one guy is like the star and like he has the ball a lot if you're a guard like you're gonna have to be able to run stuff but at the same time you have to be able to play off the ball too and if he's going to be a poor shooter off the catch and he's going to make, and then at the same time, like he has some of these decision-making issues and things like that that we've talked about already. It just makes it really hard to carve out a consistent role when you're like a frustrating decision maker and you're not shooting well off the catch. Uh, you have to be really excellent with the ball in your hands to like find really steady ground if that's going to be the case. So um, I think that's like, if you're talking like disaster scenario is like, if those two things don't, don't come along, that's where he would be in the most trouble. Yeah, I really struggle to see him as an off-ball player at, at Kentucky this year in particular. And, you know, he's got to fix a lot of the jump shot in order to become that type of player long-term. Like, I know he's 6'4", 6'5", listed as, as a little bit bigger of a guard. But, man, I think he's he's a one. I think he's a guy you play with a ball in his hands, let him come off ball screens, use, use his speed, and try to develop and hone in his decision-making. Because, you know, as much as – we can harp on the tunnel vision that he gets sometimes like he converted 59% of his half court attempts at the rim, 59% at the rim for a guard, really high level finisher. So those numbers will only skyrocket as he cuts the fat out of his diet. As he stops taking those tough contested ones, he makes better decisions. I think that's where he really turns into the best version of himself and the jump shot on top of that is is gravy in order to play off ball. All of those three items and areas need to be able to continue to improve. I just think the the best path for him is going to be playing with the ball in his hands. I, I don't view him yeah. as like a combo or one of those other high volume scorers whose you know game is predicated on his jump shot. That's not what I see from a guy like Wagner long term. For sure. Yeah, I would agree. I think I think that's going to be the path. And I think um the pull-up has to come along a little bit too just like the the small kind of sample size pull-up numbers even on twos like it needs to get better 
um, because he is so quick that if, if guys like have to go over for him, like he's going to find ways to get into the paint. Like he is, he is so quick and that quickness is so crucial. If you're, if you're playing the guard spot in a lot of NBA, but yeah, uh, yeah, I I think that, yeah, the, the jumper is going to be a big hinge point for how we feel about him coming out of the season, both off the catch and off the dribble. And, and it's little things too, right? Like we love his speed, but slow down and play at different paces and different yep. speeds coming out of ball screens. He doesn't wait for contact very well. I know, mm-hmm. you know, the scholars ran a lot of pick and pop stuff with uh, Mbaka and, and, and they just, it wasn't a lot of contact on screens. Like some of that is guards slipping that out and shooting systems. Mm-hmm. And other times it's him just not having the patience to wait for it. Like, he can learn a lot this year. And if there's any indication that we've seen from the Kentucky theory, as I call it, that all of these guards who play for John Calipari end up overachieving their draft position at the NBA, like I still have really high hopes for a guy like DJ Wagner. So I'm going to go into this draft cycle with him as a, a borderline lottery prospect. I'm not thrilled or blown away Mm -hmm. with the decision-making enough or the shot making in order to call him a top 10 guy but I think his raw skills, his upside, his speed, and just the overall productivity leads me to believe that he is knocking on the door of the lottery or at least belongs in that consideration if he is a true one and done. Does that add up to where you are? Where, where have you kind of seen him and pegged him in, in this initial uh, rank? Yeah, yeah, plenty of work to be done before I feel confident in my uh, my preseason board, but I've got him around 12 right now is where he is for me. So I think we're, I think we're in a similar similar place with him going into this. Uh, and the guy that we are actually about to talk about is somebody who I – currently have number one which is a little little wild for a lot of people but i'm a big believer in justin edwards and i think uh one of the things you mentioned was screening i think justin edwards despite being a skinny guy actually screens pretty well Uh, and that's something i like about his game but that's probably like the most boring part of what he does so if we want to get into him we can but i'm yeah i I have so much work to be done I'm, i'm doing a thing this year where i'm going through the year sort of chronologically to get point a to point b on everybody. So I'm still like pretty deep in the grassroots stuff. Uh, so I still got a lot of high school tape to get through. I've got a lot of U 19s and like all of that kind of stuff, but I'm trying to watch as much like pre this past season tape uh, on everybody as I can right now. And at that point I'm, I'm really liking what I'm seeing out of Justin Edwards. Yeah. So let, let's go into Justin Edwards because I don't have him. Number one, I've got Ethan Almanza, uh, yep. that he is just stolen my heart, but mm-hmm. Justin Edwards is really high on, on my mm-hmm. preseason list right now. And I, I don't want to say he's not number two. Um, okay. He might, he might be, but yeah. uh, he's, he is right up there at the top of the, this draft class for me. I've, I really love not just the game and the development that he's undergone over the last year, but there's something about his mentality that stands out to me that just from watching him on clips and look, Imhotep charter has been, a dominant basketball power in the Philly scene for the last several years here. And Edwards has had a huge part of that recently, but he's got this energetic athleticism that stands out every time he plays. And I guess now's no better time than now to dive into the clip and start with the athleticism. Like he looks really long, like he's six, eight, six, nine long arms, really bouncy. I call him Mr. Windmill in high school Mm -hmm. because like he gets up for so many different slams and, uh, you know, just the, the pace here, five dribbles to go end to end with a rebound and run for a huge slam. He's going to be a special type of NBA athlete. Uh, self-creation scoring, I don't think off the bounce he puts pressure on the rim a ton. 
that's not an area of his game that he's been great at, but you see it in small doses. He can take one or two dribbles, get all the way to the rim, but he really trusts his pull-up jumper. That's an area where he's improved a lot, but it's not just the improvement of, you know, are the shots going in? What do the percentages look like? He takes them very comfortably. He believes in this part of his game where if he's got a guy who's playing off of him a little bit, or if he feels like he's in rhythm, he's going to pull up and shoot that thing. A little bit of arc on it. Like he is a lefty, and I think all, all lefties are the, the most aesthetically pleasing shooters in the world. But I, I, I think he's more comfortable in the mid-range than from three right now. Yeah, I would agree with that. But I, I, th- I think that is part of what I'm buying is that projection. <laughs> um, I, I think he's, yeah, like you said, really confident in his shot. He believes in it. He's pulling up with it a whole lot, especially in the mid-range. Um, but I, I like the release point. I like that yeah. it's really high, especially on those pull-ups. Like I talk about this with people all the time. You don't see like star NBA players that kind of have like a low release in the mid-range. Like it's just not something that really bodes well for you. Um, but yeah, he shoots over guys. Well, if you're closing out on him, if you've got a hand in his face, like it's just got that, he's got that length. He's got that pop under him and, and he can, he can score it from anywhere. And I, I think I'm pretty bullish on him becoming a three level guy, because like you said, it's a lot of the at rim stuff tends to be in transition, but his strides are big. Like when he takes those strides, he gets where he wants really quickly. Uh, and he's got a little bit of craft to him downhill. It's, yeah. it's a lot more East West kind of mid rangey right now, mm-hmm. but I think he, I think with his tools, he's going to be able to kind of convert that and get North South a little bit more and, and pressure that rim. So yep. I'm seeing an athlete. I'm seeing a guy who has really positive energy on the floor. And I'm seeing somebody that I think might be able to score it at all three levels. And it's the touch that really has got me to buy into the mid range stuff. Like I, I went through a phase like during COVID and, and immediately after I didn't play much basketball, uh, just, you know, life happens, whatever. I started to get back in the gym a little bit more and, and the harder shot for me to find again has been the like five to 12 foot pull up. Mm-hmm. Like I think, you know, elbow jumpers and things you take one dribble and you get into that in rhythm a little bit easier. It's that shorter mid range area where if you show real touch, your jumper looks smooth and pristine there. Like that has me really intrigued. So this type of shot right here kind of fading away is super interesting to me. You know, you talked about the long strides. Like I think he is a bit wide as a driver right now. We'll show a couple clips that he still converts on in scores, mm-hmm. but I think his process has to be able to improve a little bit. And you'll see the way that, that Emotep uh, put him in positions to succeed. They start him off in this right offensive corner have him come off of a lot of handoffs or zoom actions, uh, you know, handoffs to ball screens where he can just attack and clear out situations to his left. But he catches the ball kind of on the outside of the elbow, and he doesn't really get a paint touch until he's at the the charge circle on the other side. Yeah. It's, it's one thing to be able to drive around guys and athletically finish at the high school level. I think that's an area he's going to have to be a little bit more of a direct line taker. Again, same type of play and action here doesn't actually get a paint touch at all. Unbelievably productive finish. And I, I want to make mm-hmm. sure we highlight that. This is this is and can be spun as a positive for him to kind of drive yeah. wide all the way around this, never get a, a paint touch, and have this full-speed touch going left-handed off the glass. But he has to be able to generate those straight-line drives to the basket in order to collapse defenses, get to the free-throw line a little bit more, just unlock additional aspects of his game. Yeah, and, and the thing you mentioned – uh, to is sort of a note on that clip is like the, the driving left thing. He does not like to go right. No. And there are times where it can really bite him where it's like, 
it would have been so much more effective if you tried to counter back to your right there. Like there's not a lot of like, I'm going left, I'm going left hard and then I'm crossing over and I'm getting my separation. It's, he, he can sort of dance with the ball and is in a straight line a little bit, but once he's going hard left, it's pretty rare that he ends up going back right. And I think that's something that he kind of needs to refine. I think if he yep. does, it could, it could open up so much for him because like when you're playing with that level of speed, guys just do not have their balance under them. Um, so it can really get him some clean looks, but it's just not, not fully there for him at this stage. It's it, he's, he's got to get better going. Right. And like, if I'm, I'm going to try and pull up those numbers real quick. I think he was quite a bit less efficient going right. Yeah. So in, uh, yeah. So in the EYBL games, 0. 0.9, 0. 0.1 points per possession going left 0. 0.5, 0. 0.2 yeah. going right. And he went right. Yeah. 27 for 27.5% of the time. So yeah. he, he really prefers to go left. Um, and I think just opening up that that counter game and just having the ability to get back to his right would do a lot for him because yep. he can play so fast. No, no doubt about it. And I've got it in my notes right here. I got my little scouting notebook pulled up next mm-hmm. to me. And, you know, one of the things that I have written for Justin Edwards this year is at the end of the season, I want to tally up his drives in either direction as well as his ability to finish at the rim on the right side or the left side, as opposed to, mm-hmm. you know, or I should say on non dunks, right? What does his touch look yeah. like below the rim on either of those types of finishes? So uh, it's certainly, I want to frame this from a, he's going to be able to prove us in one way or the other, what he can do, mm-hmm. but that is a, a detracting piece of his game right now that I have to watch for. He doesn't involve his right hand enough. I thought his, his coaching staffs did a really good job of putting him in positions where uh, he could only really do himself well by driving left. The jump shot. I mean, we talked about how he's, he's got a lot of confidence in it, particularly off the bounce. Um, and we'll rewind and watch a couple of these clips here. A lot of pick and pops that he was put in, both yeah. with, with Team Final and with Imhotep Charter. Uh, 32.1% on catch and shoot threes this year at Imhotep. 309 with Team Final. Like Those are not the worst numbers that you've heard of. And a lot of his attempts are these pick and pops, like real Sometimes difficult ones, you don't always have your feet set. I think he's going to be fine in more of a spot up, like receiver type of role. And you'll see there really is the upside with that jump shot. When it comes out of his hand, he has that high release. He shoots it with confidence. He's able to shoot it over the top of smaller defenders like that at times. I, I do believe he is going to shoot it despite the numbers not being pristine right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something that did stand out on some of the misses is, uh, if you pull back to the one before this one, um, on the on the misses side, I think yeah, or actually, I, I actually think that one might have been on a make. I think it's the one right after this. Yep. Uh, so if you watch his mechanics, it's it's a left handed shot, but it's almost like more to the right side yep. of his body on the way up, and that's something that I noticed actually in more of his misses than in this shot. But um, yeah, it is sort of to the off side of his his face, which is a little bit odd. Yeah, so he um, starts on the right side, almost to his right hip. Then he brings his left around and aims his left shoulder towards the basket. Tries to and I mean, look at where his right basketball. elbow is too. Yeah. It's it's yeah, very kind of odd odd placement of the guide hand where it's like kind of interceding over the top of the ball. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just does not look like a very comfortable <laughs> way. Like I'm right handed, but like trying to replicate right. like that yeah, motion. It's it's really it seems really uncomfortable. Um, but I mean, he's taking, he's taking him confidently and those percentages for a high school player are pretty solid given the level of shot difficulty. I yes. would say like I I'm really content 
ultimately with where those percentages are. And then it's just a matter of me sort of buying the pull-up game more and buying that, okay, when more of these are a more traditional spot up, maybe it'll look a little bit better. But I think the fact that he's just willing to pull the trigger like this off of movement and getting his feet set and not having the, the best looks all the time, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. I'm pretty excited to see where it heads this year. Yeah, and over the last 16 months, he's made 42% of all his dribble jumpers. Like, I think mm-hmm. that there's a lot of rhythm that he gets into. He tends to take those, I think, a little bit more in the mid-range than really self-creation from three. But in a lot of these makes here, these are not pick-and-pop opportunities. They're spacing the floor and being able to, to get a line to the basket more cleanly. I want to see if he's able to knock down shots like this in the corner more consistently. But yes, there is that pick and pop or that ghost upside. I, I mentioned that as a, a piece of Brandon Miller's game that I absolutely loved this year. And thinking about when you draft a guy in the top five or the top 10, how do we get a bucket in a late clock situation? Where do we put our best players? What is our our vision for this? And I think Edwards is going to pair really nicely, maybe with a guy like DJ Wagner. We've talked a lot about mm-hmm. ghost pick and pop stuff already in the pod tonight. Uh, but with another really gravity-seeking guard, somebody who can take two defenders with him in that type of situation, I think that'll help open up a little bit more space and time for a guy like Edwards. But this is one of those late-clock things that I envision. You can be a scorer with the ball in your hands. You can play off-ball. And then here again, you don't just settle for the catch-and-shoot three. If you end up getting run off the line, you read the play. This is a pretty good – I know we talk about it attacks to his right, then spins back to yeah, his left, yeah. but this is the, the right type of shot that I'd love to see yep. him get great touch in that mid range area. Maxwell offensive game overall. What do you like? What are you going to continue to look for? Yeah, I, I think just the general athleticism and willingness to screen are two things that I think are huge, uh, especially when you pair that with being a willing shooter. Uh, it's something I had a conversation about Justin with uh, Justin Powell about when I talked to him before the draft process was he was for people who aren't familiar. He was like a shooting specialist kind of guard at Washington state last season. He was saying that when he started the pre-draft process, uh, something that his trainer who had been a former Nets assistant had mentioned to him is like, all right, we're going to do this and you're going to screen. And he was like, wait, what? Like I've, I've never set a screen before. And it's like, well, that's how you get shots in the NBA. Like no matter what your role is on the team, uh, you've got a screen to get him. And I, and Justin Edwards being willing to do that so often is I think something that it just feels like there's a lot of pro readiness to him between what we're looking at with the athleticism, the willingness to screen, the willingness to shoot an effective pull-up game, uh, an effective at rim game. Uh, I, I'm really, really bullish <laughs> about where it, where his game is headed in. Cause I think he's going to shoot. And I think when he does, it's going to open up a lot for him as far as how he's going to be able to attack downhill with his level of athleticism. Totally agree with you on the shooting uh, year over year progression has been great in that regard. Mm-hmm. And the confidence that he takes it with is really strong with a couple mechanical tweaks. Mm-hmm. He can be really, really high end player. Oh, one last like very nitpicky thing that yep. I, I noted that I want to point out with him. It's like those early like athleticism clips too. One thing I'm a little like, I want to see what this develops to be in the half court as the year goes on. Yep. is that he was a lot more comfortable jumping off of two feet. Like if you look at him when he has a clean runway, it's almost always two feet. Like he really, really prefers jumping off of two and he can do it off of one. Like there are clips of him flying off of one foot, but I think it's a little more natural for him to use two. Yep. And I'm intrigued to see like in the half court, let's say there's a blow by on a, on a pump fake and he has that just straight line to the rim. 
is he going to get up off of one and get there in a hurry? Or is he going to take that extra half second to get his other foot under? I'm going to really small thing, but something that I'm interested to see how it, how it plays out. It's the small thing. There's no such thing as a small thing, right? Everything Mm -hmm. is, is an important thing uh, as it relates to player evaluation. I'm glad you brought that up there. That's uh, I hadn't even noticed that myself. Really good catch there, Maxwell. All right. But if I'm excited about one other thing with Edwards outside of of the offense, He's a hell of a defender, guys. Like, this is not just a guy with three-level scoring potential on the wing. This is not just a guy who is 6'9 and athletic. He's a smart defender. He is a caring defender. He is a havoc inducer. He's a guy who just creates chaos when he's out there. Uh, 42 steals and 13 blocks in 19 AAU games last year. He is always looking for opportunities to turn up the intensity and pressure so that he can play in – in transition, but very rarely do you see five-star guys and, you know, highly touted prospects come and always play with the type of energy and motor that he does on the defensive end of the floor for as much of a a load as he carries on offense at times. This is a guy who doesn't really take an off play defensively and really won me over in that regard. So we'll see flashes to start of just his on ball defense areas. The first thing the coach in me really notices here is the closeout. Both arms go up right away. Pre-catch. He wants his presence to be known. You see the coach in the background, high hands. He's got him up there on the, uh, <laughs> on the, on the left wing. He does the exact same thing. Hands trace the basketball yep. moves. His feet ends up getting a, a block in there. Like, a lot of his process as an on-ball defender is great. Again, I'll, I'll rewind this clip right here. Coming out of the corner with his man, slides his feet, turns to square with his chest and prevent him from turning the corner. Like We like to count on the defensive, and this is one statting thing I do with my high school program. We like to count how many times an on-ball defender forces his man to change direction whether it's a crossover dribble, a behind the back, a spin, can you cut your man off and force him to change direction? And that's something we'd love guys to do unless they're intentionally funneling a guy to a help defender. But like in space and in one-on-one situations, can you turn your hips? Are you quick enough to do so? With his length, the intensity that he guards with is is fantastic. Again, using that length, He's got that. And that's one of those plays too. Yeah. It's, it's, it's that quick twitch, like quick leaping ability quick with his hands. His hands are fast and that dude tracks the ball really well. This isn't more an example of that. This is just a better example of his overall length and quickness. But at the start of this clip, it's almost like, hi, he's giving his guy too much room. (laughs) And he, and the possession ends with him blocking a three. Like these are the kinds of plays that he's going to be able to make where it looks like there's so much space. And then, the instant that guy starts to go up with the ball, he is springing his hands or his hand is up high. Like he just eats up that room so quickly that if he wants to play off a guy, he can, and he doesn't need to do it very often, but just got a lot of guys to a lot of ways to toy with guys and and make them take bad shots and make mistakes. Yeah. The the closing speed and the reactivity for that jump shot is, is super, Extremely uh, impressive in my eyes, but those quick hands, they show up in different ways. Again, I'm the coach. I got to point out the closeout, the perfect form here, butt down, hands high, mm-hmm. immediately on the catch, traces and swipes at the basketball and pokes it away. He's just a guy who's going to create deflections. I love that he's a five-star who's picking up here in a zero-zero game right out the <laughs> gate and is just yep. pressuring a guy full court. And you can see, 
he is going again, to be the hands pocket. again there like the such hands. a good read to know where that ball is going where the man is going and know that he has that angle with the ball like yep. that's just something that you got to have in you that's i don't know how you teach that you're a coach maybe you can yeah. but that is just instincts and physical prowess like the perfect marriage between them between the two yep he just wants to be able to take over those games again playing a guard picking him up just sliding with him the entire way. Job's not done. As soon as he gives up the basketball, be there ready to track and help. I love everything about the way that he plays. He is a disruptor. Here he is off of the switch, trying to come out here and try to create a turnover. Doesn't quite get the first one. Doesn't give up. Hands are active. Like I'm going to rewind this because this is this is winning basketball. When yep. you are allowed to be aggressive, and Calipari is known to be a little bit aggressive on the defensive end of the floor at times. Wasn't much with Sheepway, but can be in the future. Like I love the active hands. Again, tracing the basketball, arms don't go down if the ball's over the offensive player's chest. And then you can't throw bad passes when Justin Edwards no. is on the floor. He will pick Never. those off. Those are pick sixes. Those are cardinal sins. You can't throw lazy ones. He's going to make you work as an on-ball guy to have to throw those laser passes. He's going to make you work when he's guarding you to have to beat a top foot, pop with your top hand, and show a target. He's also a pretty good help defender, too. And these might not stand out as incredibly fantastic plays, but again, 13 blocks in 19 games, solid rate for a, a help defender and a wing, but he's reliable. He knows where to be and when. I love the verticality that he's able to contest with. His length swallows up a lot of these shots. Again, tracking from the weak side, sees the opportunity comes, and just stuffs that one, nothing too supreme. But this is the clip that won me over here. Because a lot of times that's all we think about with help defenders, protecting the basket, blocking shots and standing within a couple feet of the rim. Being a help defender is knowing what your rotation is supposed to be and doing it reliably every single time. So team final right here in a tie game against CP3 wants to come out and really trap a ball screen. It's an empty side pick and roll, which a lot of times what this means is this man, whether he rolls or pops, is going to be on the left side of the floor in the kind of short corner area, if not all the way out to three. The man who is responsible for him when you're trapping an empty side pick and roll is the low man, which in this case is Justin Edwards standing with his head below the rim right now. He's got to be thinking right now when he sees this coverage coming, if this is a roll, if they blitz this, I have responsibility to rotate over. And here they come high above that level of the ball screen. He's still head under the rim, just above the charge circle, trying to bait the ball to go back there. Reeds picks it off. Yeah, He's reliable. He knows exactly where he needs to be when. There's so much to like about the way that he defends. It's the intensity mm -hmm. and the energy. It's the length and all of the tools that he brings to the table. But he's a smart defender who doesn't take a play off. I love guys like that. I'll work with the three-level upside on offense, but I think Justin Edwards has a really high floor in comparison to some of the other players that we might talk about in the top five or top six discussion because he defends and because he's going to be a really valuable positional defender who's 6'8 or 6'9 with length, who can guard down the lineup and switch and be very comfortable moving his feet in space. I've fallen in love with the defense as much as I have the offensive upside. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. I think that anytime you have someone who can, can know 
the defensive scheme that they're playing in that well and has those levels of, of tools, the length and the speed, like ground coverage gets talked about a lot. And I think a lot of times it's just like, is it a guy who's too choppy with his footwork? Is it a guy who is just a little bit slow and whatever? And like, he has every tool in the bag you could want as far as covering ground, whether it's physical, mental, uh, explosiveness, length, length of stride. Like it's, it's all there for him. Um, he's extremely well-rounded on that front. Uh, he's going to make a lot of plays off the ball and his recovery is really good too, because he has all of those same attributes. Um, and he plays so hard. Like we talked about this is a guy who doesn't quit on plays and like, even the little things, like he doesn't get backdoored. Like he he's monitoring man and ball. He, he knows what's going on on the court at all times. Like he he's a pretty like high reward defender who isn't really going to give you any sort of lapses or nonsense. Yeah. Yep. A lot of times we think of, defenders who get a lot of steals on the perimeter as being gamblers, right? Guys who will sacrifice being positionally sound in order to, to actually make a you play, know, yeah. make a play. Yeah, and, and he somehow accomplishes both. Like he's uh low risk, high reward. And I love that about him. I, I, re- I really do. So uh, your preseason number one prospect with that mm-hmm. said, I'm going to let you kind of close the loop here on Justin Edwards, like give us one thing. I know we talked about the right hand a little bit more. Yeah. Give, us, give us one thing that you're, you want to keep watching for from him or that you've really fallen in love with that. We didn't maybe talk about today. Um, yeah, I, I think we kind of covered the, the big things. I think, um, I think he's got a little bit of craft downhill. Cause we focus more on like the pull up stuff in the transition. I do think that there is some like stop start uh, to his attacking game. And a little bit with his handle. Like, I, th- I think he has ways to get to the basket. And I think that if he is ever in a position where he's, like, carrying a large load of the offense, he has a lot of tools in his bag to be able to be, like, a one or two option yeah. for an NBA team if everything breaks right. So I, I just really like the trajectory that he's headed on from a skills front on the offensive side of the floor. I think so often, like, a lot of the stuff that I've seen on him, I haven't consumed, like, a lot of other people's draft content because at this sure. stage in the process i really just want to like see yeah. what i think of guys first i don't either i, I think that's yeah. a smart strategy like let's let's form our own opinions yeah i think he the stuff i saw on him kind of i, I haven't really read anything <laughs> in, in months but like during the high school year i feel like the kind of stuff i was seeing about him was like oh yeah he's like a really athletic defender and like maybe he's going to shoot a little bit and i think that really undersells a lot of the upside that he has as far right. as just his skills on the offensive end yeah no, glad you glad you mentioned that there. We have a question in the chat, and if anyone else is watching us live, feel free to, to throw a couple questions in there. Uh, you know, thank you, JD, for uh, the compliment there. But how do you get all these EYBL clips? Synergy is a lifesaver. Shout out to Matt Curley and Synergy and the team over there for assembling not just an incredible database of of film clips, but statistics mm-hmm. that go yep. with it that allow us to be able to, to throw out and analyze what a lot of these guys numbers and metrics are in terms of, of catch and shoot numbers, dribble pull-ups as, as Max mentioned, which way these guys drive and their conversion rate when they drive in those directions. Synergy is a lifesaver for scouts and people like us. Otherwise we'd be doing it the old fashioned way. Like in my old AAU scouting notebook that I have right here of tallying deflections and all these different things that you have up here. Like it's, it is a mind numbing process because you're looking down instead of looking up and trying to keep those stats. They do it for us. It's fantastic. Shout out, Curls. Thank you for everything, buddy. Yeah, 
yeah they they're uh we're partnered with them over at no ceilings with synergy it's spectacular it's made my life so much easier this year as far as like hunting down a lot of this film and things like that um a lot uh, i believe if you're just purchasing synergy a lot of this might not be available to the public right. but i do know that um there was a really good article on Swish Theory today from, from Tyler over there. Yes. Kind of breaking down where you can find different high school film like uh, videos, whether it's AU high school or whatever. So I would I would give that a read because um, I, I fell into a similar resource with like international film when I was first getting this scout and someone had compiled yep. the list of like, here's all the databases. Here's this channel. Here's where you can find that. So that, that would be a good resource to use um, if you're not able to get into there. But yeah it's that's that's a good place to start too but yeah synergy does wonders 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 for us <laughs> no ceilings as far as not only the stats but really just the amount of film that they're able to provide it's it's unbelievable yeah i gotta change i got uh curly's contact info in my phone i, I gotta be able to change his uh ringtone to how to save a life by the fray because like he, <laughs> he really he is a lifesaver mm -hmm. through and through james got an interesting question here and this is the last one before we'll sign off for the night um Thoughts on the recent trend of high-level international prospects going over to college? Obviously, we've seen two of them go to UCLA this year. Another one here in, in Ivisich coming to Kentucky. Uh, it's not completely new, but it does feel like we're getting some of the higher-end, you know, potential lottery guys this year. Max, you want to yeah. take this one first, or you want me to go with it? Yeah, selfishly, I like I like consolidation from just a laziness standpoint like it's very it's much easier for me when all of these guys are competing in one place and it's part of why i like the nbl getting so many prospects this year yeah. too right like the the more similar of a sample i can get on players the easier it's going to be for me as an evaluator so right. from that standpoint i like it do i miss like getting to venture out and see different leagues and be like oh I, I remember this guy from here and like i have a good feel for them so i can see how they look in contrast to this player e yeah like I think for the global game of basketball, it might not be like the best thing in the world, but as an evaluator, I love it. I want to see guys competing in a similar league that makes it kind of easier for me to digest and understand where they are relative to their peers. Um, so yeah, I, I like that. I like the N the NBL consolidation going on. And I like seeing some of these guys like the Adamaras and the Vasiches of the world coming to college basketball. It's going to be a lot of fun. You know, I, I see JD in the comments mentioning that NIL bag. Like, it's hard <laughs> to know with a lot of these international guys what they can and can't yeah, collect. Yeah, some of them, yeah. Mm -hmm. Some of them really, which really is, can't is, get anything. Which is pretty wild. Like, that's a, a pretty big bet on yourself move to turn down a professional deal to to come over here and play in college. Like, for the exposure. Yeah. It's 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 a pretty serious, uh, pretty serious decision. So I, I hope it works out it for is. those guys, but I'm just, I'm just excited to have them all here. Like I'm yeah. thrilled that we're going to get to see them uh, against guys, their own age. It's, it, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. This draft cycle. Mm -hmm. The last comment we're going to show here from my boy, Gregory Castillo, loyal supporter of the program. Maxwell is the <laughs> there best. You go. Yes, he is. <laughs> I appreciate Maxwell, it. It's it. I've been dying to do a film breakdown with you for a long period of time because I think your stuff is top notch. So please let everybody know where they can find your top notch work. Yeah. So all my written work is at no ceilings, uh, no ceilings, NBA.com um, on the no ceilings NBA podcast feed. You can get our podcast. Me and Nathan do a show that comes out um, every Monday this past week. Nathan was gone. So I had Adam here. So, so, so it was great. You can go check that one out. We talked about my article on, uh, under the radar big men but no ceilings is where everything's at then on twitter it's uh, at bound boards at b-a-u-m boards or i'm sorry x at x.com the the <laughs> the web the, the famous website x.com where i post instead of tweeting 
uh everyone is yeah. is getting so used to saying those things and uh it's so it's so natural to say on x.com that's where you can follow me so yeah. uh yeah so that's that's where all my stuff is at yeah um and you can follow me on elon musk's pet project at the box and one underscore uh and obviously t- tuning in right now on youtube keep it locked on the youtube channel for everything but please rate review subscribe to the podcast on all podcast platforms out there really love bringing a lot of these in-depth film breakdowns to you it's going to be the theme of the podcast this year so make sure you keep it locked for a lot more of that coming soon but until next time hoopaholics see you later